What up, what up? How's it going, everybody? I'm hyped for today's episode. For everyone who's watching this on replay or anybody brand new who doesn't know me, my name's Alex. I'm the Fantasy Football Hustler, and we're going to be bringing you some free agent news today, all the B-listers that are going. But I'm excited because we got Marcus Grant in right now from the NFL Network, and I'm excited to hear a little bit of his backstory. All you content creators, get ready because we're going to be asking him a bunch of questions that's going to help guys like me and you out. So without further ado... What up? How's it going? What's going on, man? So I, you know, I'm, I'm watching your intro, right? And it starts with the whole Jerry Maguire, Rod Tidwell thing, and I'm like trying to think in my head, like, if if Rod Tidwell were a free agent this year, like, who, where would he go? How much money would he get? I mean, you're talking about a small, sort of injury-prone slot receiver. Like, I feel like um, there's not a big market out there for a guy like Rod Tidwell. Like, yeah, it's like a big deal in the movie, right? That he's like trying to get this new free agent contract. Like nowadays, like I feel like you know. He'd be sitting around. We'd be like, uh, where's Rod Tidwell going to go? People would be like, I, I don't know. It's not really a big deal. <laughs> yep. Um, props to the NFL Network. They actually did a Rod Tidwell um, football life, and I watched that a couple months ago, and it's freaking amazing because it's literally like a normal NFL life episode, but it's about Rod Tidwell. And apparently he turned down one of the biggest contracts in NFL history after we saw the catch in Jerry Maguire. Well, yeah, I mean, he wanted to stay home, right? I mean, he went to Arizona State. He wanted to stay with the Cardinals. <laughs> like, he just, you know, he went. I mean, I don't know. Like, I felt like at the, that was the chance for him to strike while the iron is hot, right? I mean, the Cardinals weren't very good. It's not like he had a chance to win a Super Bowl. Like, go out and make some money, dog. Like, you know, go find somewhere <laughs> you can get some coin because the Cardinals weren't going to win a title anytime soon then. Heck yeah. It was, uh, they even had Kurt Warner on there um, (laughs) talking about him. Who else do they have? I think Matt Leinert on there. Like it was funny. The big names that they got to go and talk about Rod Tidwell. That was amazing. That's funny. That's funny. (laughs) Shout out to everyone uh, who's watching right now. Got a bunch of people in here. So leave some comments. Uh, If you got any questions about free agency, we're going to be getting into that um, pretty shortly, but First, I got a couple couple questions for you, Marcus, because I'm just super interested about anybody in the content creation space who's like cream of the crop. Let's just put it that way, you know, not to toot your horn too much. But, you know, anybody who's working for the NFL Network, ESPN, you know, all these big time networks, you guys are goals, you know, for people like me who are trying to do this full time. And I want to hear a little bit about growing up in Vallejo, kind of all the way to USC. <laughs> Um, anything that kind of led you down the path on where you are right now? And before you answer that, um, were you a Mac Dre fan anytime uh, in your life? I mean, you, you can't, you couldn't grow up in Vallejo and not be a Mac Dre fan. Um, Mac Dre, E40, Mac Mall, um, you know, like Mac Mall and I were in the same high school graduating class. Uh, you know, Mac, Mac Dre's uncle was the basketball, was the boys' basketball coach at my high school. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, you just you just couldn't help. I mean, I remember riding around in high school with like my friends in the car, listening to like listening to some of the tapes that Mac Dre made from jail, where it's just him like rapping over the phone over a beat and stuff like that. So um, yeah, man, uh, you know, just like I said, at that point in the early to mid '90s, growing up in, in the V, you, you couldn't help but be a Mac Dre fan. Did you ever ghost ride the whip one time? Were you, or were you ever in a car where someone was ghost riding the whip? I did not ghost ride the whip. Um, <laughs> the closest I got was uh, I remember in high school, um, my friend was, you know, he was joking around being funny and he wouldn't unlock the car door. We'd be like, you know, it was, it was lunch. We had to get back to school after lunch. <laughs> so my buddy was being, you know, silly and wouldn't wouldn't unlock the car door. So like he started to drive off pretending like he was just going to leave me out in front of a Wendy's. Um, so like I jumped on the hood and I just sat on the hood of the car and he was driving. I thought it was kind of slow. So I thought like, and he just like, he kept driving right like through the parking lot. So I thought I was going to be like an action hero and just like jump off the hood and keep running. And that did not work out at all. <laughs> like I hit the ground and rolled a little bit. Um, uh, had to explain to my mom, had to like make up some story about why the brand new jacket she brought me, bought me was like all ripped up and why the elbows are all shredded and everything. So, uh, that is the closest I've ever gotten to like ghost riding a whip or anything. That's pretty awesome though. That's closer than a lot of people. Have been. <laughs> <laughs> 
So from uh, from growing up, you know, where you did um, ended up going to USC, what what kind of led you down, you know, the sports broadcasting? I, you know, I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about sports broadcasting when I first got to college. I I had wanted to do journalism, which is part of why I went to USC. I wanted to go to a journalism school. Um, they had one of the better ones there. It was it was it's funny because I, I went to went to LA from the Bay Area. So I wanted um, I wanted to be somewhere where I was sort of away from home, where like you know my folks wouldn't just randomly drop in on me, but also close enough that like if I wanted to go back home when I needed to, um, it wasn't going to be a problem. So I got to USC, wanted to be a journalism major, wanted to do like actual serious news. Like I I thought my my career path was going to be. Um, you know, anchoring like the the ABC or CBS Evening News, something like that. I thought that was going to be my goal. Um, and then the first day I was there, move-in day, uh, just walked out in front of the dorm, met a couple guys who were tossing a football around. You know, I was like, hey, you know, mind if I jump in and throw the football around? They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, they were like, hey, we heard there's a student radio station on campus. Uh, they're looking for people to join their sports staff. We're going to go find the, you know, find the guy in charge and, and see if he'll let us join up. Like, you know, like, you want to come with us? I'm like, sure. Why not? Um, it was great. I mean, like to this day, those two guys were still good friends. We still communicate all the time. This is, you know, 25 years later. Um, but, uh, you know, we went, we joined the sports staff there and, I realized pretty quickly that I think I liked that better than just doing straight hard news. Cause I'm like, I thought about it and I'm like, well, what do I normally do with my friends? We sit around, we talk about sports and I'm like, I can make this my job. Like I can make this my career. And so from that moment, I think my focus sort of changed toward, you know, trying to do hard, serious news to sort of, you know, being in sports. And I, you know, I spent the four years doing, doing sports on the radio there at SC. Uh, I was was lucky enough to be an intern at Fox Sports for a while. Um, yeah, and that just sort of kind of led me down that path to like I decided like I'm going to uh, pursue sports broadcasting uh, as my career from then on. That's awesome. And when you think about regular news, a lot of it's depressing and everything <laughs> with sports. I mean, I know there's some depressing things, but it's usually fun to talk about. Yeah, I remember. I do remember in college when I kind of told my parents, I think I'm going to switch, you know, not that it changed, it didn't change my major at all. I still was a, a journalism major, but I was like, you know, I think I want to pursue more sports reporting and sports broadcasting than that. And my mom's like, well, you know, don't you want to do something big and serious and like, you know, cover serious things like, you know, wars and conflicts? And I was like, ma, uh, you know, I'm having to go somewhere to be shot at. I'm like, they stop baseball games because of rain. I'm like, that's about my speed, right? Like, <laughs> they don't play baseball in the rain. That's good enough for me like i don't know that i want to go somewhere and maybe you know have to duck bullets like i'm i respect the folks who do it i just know it's not for me ducking foul balls or you know ducking you know (laughs) (laughs) good that's about it so while at usc did you have any interaction with any celebs before they were celebs or anything like that anybody who you hung out with who ended up you know um turning into somebody in hollywood or in la um yeah, actually, I think the, the 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 biggest one. I mean, you know, like I I met and interviewed some of the the, the athletes and you know football players, baseball players, what have you. Um, but I mean, like, look, I interviewed Keyshawn Johnson, right? But at the time, everybody knew he was going to be a star, right? Like, I mean, he was yeah. like a he was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Everybody sort of knew that. I think he was big time, but, right? Um, the biggest one for me was um, I one year I did a a, a morning radio show. Right? We we were on from like I think seven to nine a.m. or something like that. And uh, we had this freshman randomly pop in, ask if he could join our show, be part of our show. We're like, yeah, totally. Um, his name turned out that he was, he well, he is, he's still alive and still working. Uh, Jason Reitman, who's gone on to become a big time movie Hollywood director. Uh, I don't know if he's won an Oscar, but I know, I, th- I think pretty sure he's been nominated for a couple of Oscars uh, and done a whole lot of stuff. And yeah, I mean, like he was, at the time we met him, he was you know, like 17, 18 years old and just kind of this quiet freshman. He talked about how he uh, you know, he wanted to be a movie director. I, I remember I asked him his last name and he said, Reitman. I was like, oh, you mean like Ivan Reitman who did like Ghostbusters? And he's like, just kind of sheepishly was like, yeah, that's my dad. And like, you know, and he just kind of, he didn't really talk about it a whole lot. Um, I know the one thing he said he wanted to do with his life 
uh, was that he wanted to make Blockbuster Video go out of business. So I don't know if he's the reason that Blockbuster went out of business, but I do think I did think about him when Block when the last Blockbuster shut down, and I'm like, I bet you Jason is somewhere uh, with a smile on his face because uh, he accomplished the goal he wanted when he was like, you know, 18 years old. Yeah, it's crazy because when Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and all those were the thing, it was just like those were never going to end. Those were going to be around. Oh, no, it was great. Like, you know, like on Friday nights, you would go with your folks and you would go like pick out a few movies to watch for the weekend. And like, I just remember whenever there was a, a really popular movie that was just hitting video, like you had to get there early because otherwise yeah. uh, the store would be out of it. And you'd have to like put your name on a waiting list or hope that somebody had returned one. Um yeah, it just felt like that was never going to And then, I mean, look, I'm old enough to remember when Netflix was sending you DVDs in the mail before <laughs> it was just a streaming service, like, which uh, yeah. might have seemed wild. But, yeah, they would just send you a DVD in the mail. And you kept it as long as you wanted. And then eventually you would send it back and they'd send you more. It was weird. Yeah. Um, Netflix, when I, I've been on them for a while now, too. I'm 35. So back in the heyday um, when they were first starting off and you could only stream it on computer. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, who's just going <laughs> to stream on their computer? I'm like having my laptop in the kitchen. Like, who's going to carry around their laptop? <laughs> now, anywhere on the go, on your phone, whatever. It's so convenient. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're smart. They were ahead of the curve on that, no doubt. Yep. Now, how about from UFC, USC to the NFL Network? I know we got a few years in between there, but what kind of guided the path going yeah. from college to NFL Network? So my first job out of college, I was working for a uh, kind of a startup internet company. Um, and they did like, you know, kind of news and entertainment and information uh, for, for regional sites, right? I mean, like we had a network of offices across the country. I worked obviously in the LA office and we handled, you know, news and entertainment for like LA, Orange County, San Diego, Santa Barbara, sort of thing. And I was kind of in charge of doing the sports. And so I was sort of, kind of trying to keep up with, you know, high school sports and, you know, obviously everything from high school up to the pros, right? So like whatever local high school sports in LA up to, you know, the Dodgers and then like the Padres down in San Diego and so on and so forth. And so I did that for a couple of years, um, sort of decided that I, after a while, the job sort of changed. I wanted to kind of do something else. Felt like I should, I wanted to get back to radio. I always had wanted to be uh, a baseball play-by-play -play announcer. Um, <clears throat> I uh, so I eventually I just sort of you know kind of saved up some money to 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 quit that job and pursue radio broadcasting. Um, and was was fortunate after a year or so to land a job uh, with the Visalia Oaks of in the California League. They were a, a Class A affiliate for the Oakland A's at the time. Um, and they hired me. So they hired me to be, they hired me to be their second broadcaster. Um, the guy who hired me, uh, was Dave Fleming, who now is doing games for ESPN. He's one of the radio voices of the San Francisco Giants. I think he would, actually, I think he left the Giants. I think he might've gone to the, uh, the Washington Nationals now because Dave was from, from back East, but I know he was the Giants announcer for a long time, still does stuff on ESPN. Um, he hired me to kind of be his assistant. Uh, and then a week before I started the job, he got promoted to a different job somewhere else. So I was lucky enough to move up and be the number one. Nice. Um, so I did two seasons broadcasting minor league baseball. Um, after that sort of fell apart, uh, I just, I kind of worked in radio for a while. I was up and down the central Valley of California, Stockton, Fresno, uh, just kind of doing local radio for a while. Um, then got a call from a friend saying, Hey, look, you know, he was working for uh, a national radio network in Los Angeles at the time, uh, told me that they were in need of, of help because, you know, somebody in their office had gotten really sick, had to go to the hospital. They were needing people. They weren't sure what, you know, the long-term situation was going to be. Um, so I interviewed over the phone one night. I interviewed over the phone with uh, the, the big boss who was in the middle of packing for a road trip. He's like, hey, can I call you later tonight? He calls me at like 930 at night while he's packing for a road trip. We do a phone interview. The next week I'm down in LA for a, a in-person interview. Um, and so they hired me there. So I, I worked, I uh, was able to do national radio for about a year and a half or so. At that point, um, the company got sold, moved operations to Houston. I didn't really want to move to Houston. No offense <laughs> to the city of Houston. I'm, I'm a California kid, wanted to stay out here in Los Angeles. Um, and so I, I stayed here kind of freelance writing, just trying to make ends meet for a while. Um, 
got a call or a, a text or whatever from a former coworker, and he was like, hey, look, I, I'm doing stuff part-time at the NFL. They're always looking for people during the season. Feel, you know, Go ahead and apply for it. So I, I went on the website um, and just I think I found the careers section and, and applied for like five or six jobs, several of which I knew I wasn't qualified for, but I was just looking for something. Um, didn't hear back for months, kind of forgot about it. Cause this was, it was also the middle of the lockout in 2011. So people didn't even know if there was going to be a season, didn't hear anything for a few months, got a call eventually from Michael Fabiano, who was you know the head of, of fantasy at the time, asking me if I wanted to interview for a, a gig in the fantasy department. I was like, does it pay? He's like, yeah. I'm like, sure, let's do it. Um, so interviewed the day the lockout ended, he called me back to tell me I got the job and you know, I guess the rest is history. I just I just finished my tenth season there, so um, yeah, that it's a kind of a long winding road, but that is how I got from you know from graduation to to where I am now. That's pretty awesome, and I mean, even along the way, you kept mentioning like your friends or colleagues or something. So, I mean, sounds like you made some good connections along the way to kind of get you in the right positions. Also, yeah, I mean, it always helps, right? I mean, especially you know, in, in a, an industry that is as competitive as, as broadcasting as media right now. Um, it always helps. I mean, look, here's the thing. You always want somebody to sort of, you know, help you get in the door. Once you're in there, it's on you to do, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of stay in and, and move up. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the more contacts you make, the, the, the more you, you know, kind of connect with people, um, the better off you're going to be because, you know, hopefully at some point, if you are good at what you do and you're hardworking and everything, uh, one of those people is going to remember you and hopefully recommend you, or at least, at least give you a heads up when there's an opening. Right. So, um, you know, like I said, it, it always helps to have somebody kind of help you along and kind of, kind of, uh, you know, kind of pull you along with them. Um, but once you get that opportunity, uh, it, it really is on you to make sure you do the best job you possibly can. Oh, yeah. And you've been there for 10 years. So we already know that you took advantage of your opportunity and killed it. And just for my fellow content creators who are out there, I mean, networking is just the thing to do, like no matter what industry it is. And even in fantasy football, I'm just finding that a lot of people are opening to networking like yourself. And I'm appreciative of you coming on and anybody else who I work with, you know, between now and the start of the season. Yeah, no, it's great. And I, I, what I always say about that, too, is like when you are, are making those contacts and you're networking with people, um, you know, especially look, I, I know for a lot of us, Twitter is this is the way that we sort of connect and communicate with one another. And I always say, look, when you're reaching out, um, talk, talk to people like, you know, like they are people. Right. Like I, I always say that I, I am much more willing to respond and interact with people who actually will interact with me like I'm an actual human being with feelings as opposed to like a fantasy advice ATM, right? Like, you know, like, you know, like don't, you know, when somebody's, yeah, if, if there's a conversation going on, like feel free to jump in, don't just jump in immediately with a link to something you wrote or a link to your podcast. I'm like, I, you know, like, it's like, I don't even know you for like, you know, come in and say hi or, you know, do something, make a joke, be, be personable. Don't just immediately like, you know, hit me in the face with something you wrote. I mean, maybe I'll read it when I have some time, but I'm probably less likely to because I'll probably be annoyed <laughs> a little bit. So I always just say like, yeah, networking is great, but like, you know, talk to them like you're like you're trying to make a friend, like you're trying to make a contact and not like you're trying to just like, you know, get somebody's attention and like, you know, use their, use their clout for something else. Yeah. And even... I mean, we could talk about football all day and I could have made this whole thing, you know, just about football, but I wanted to get to know you, you know, on a different level than just get your takes on football players because you're literally all over the internet and all over TV with all your takes. So we're going to get to those, but uh, yeah, I wanted to get to know you a little bit too. So thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. <laughs> now, one thing that I am interested in is like what you do behind the scenes. Cause I know you're just not, you know, an on-screen personality and an on-air personality. Um, I know you do a little bit of editing work. What kind of work do you do behind the scenes that nobody really knows about? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't, as I, I, I'm fortunate, you know, as I've been there a little bit longer and doing more stuff, I, I get to sort of get away from some of the editing things. Um, you know, when I started, like when I started there, um, I was literally a glorified copy editor. Um, that was it. Like I came in and you know, our, at the time we had two fantasy writers. It was Michael Fabiano and it was Adam Rank. 
and they would write stuff and I would copy edit it and I would post it on NFL.com. And every once in a while I'd write a blog post. Maybe I would be able to get in and, and sit in on, on the podcast every once in a while. Um, but that was kind of where I started and, you know, was fortunate that people felt like I did a good job at that. And, you know, the more I got comfortable, the more I felt like I could ask for more things to do or would, would suggest or propose sort of more ideas. And, and that was able to grow. I mean, right now, um, it's, it's sort of nice because this is, you know, the quote unquote off season you see behind me, like there is no, there is no off season really. Cause there's always something happening. Um, you know, so like now I don't, I, you know, in the season, like I'm always, I'm always prepping, like during the season, I'm, I'm, I'm prepping usually for two shows at one time, right? Cause I'm either getting ready for a podcast or I'm doing a podcast and I'm getting ready for fantasy live. Uh, I'm writing columns. Now I get to kind of take it a little bit easier. So I still try to write once or twice a week. Uh, we're still doing our podcast once a week. So I'm prepping for that. I mean, right now I'm sort of, you know, like everybody else, I'm keeping up with, with uh, free agency and, and sort of trying to build projections and trying to figure out you know, who's going to do what potentially next year, um, you know, trying to watch video on on draft prospects. So, I mean, it, like I said, it, it, it never ends. Like you really, never. you really never kind of, you know, uh, you never say that that it's a, it's over, right? People are always like, what do you do in the off season? And I'm just like, ha ha, what do you mean off season? Um, <laughs> so like, like I said, this time though, it's, it's a lot less of a grind. Once we get to say mid-July and training camps are starting up, we get into August and September, like it really is sort of a grind because, you know, I, I'm working six days a week in a lot of cases and I'm, I'm always prepping for a show or on air or writing or something like that. So um, it is, it's just always about trying to, to create content. Um, you know, I, I sort of, I, I sort of struggle with that because everybody's like, yeah, I just want to make content. And like, I understand it. I know that's what we all do. I feel like we've turned content into sort of a disposable word. Like we talk about just making yeah. content. Um, so much of it feels kind of disposable. Like I, I want to do things. I want to do things that are fun. I want to do things. Yeah. You know, I, I always said, I want to make cool stuff with my friends. Right. I want to do things that I think are fun. I want to do things that I think are valuable that people will enjoy. Um, and that hopefully uh, we'll, we'll teach them a little bit of something as well. So I don't know the word for that. Uh, we all, we throw it all under the word of content. Um, I hope one day we come up with a better word that makes it sound a little bit more valuable than what it is. Um, but for now, yeah, that's what I do. I, I make content. <laughs> it's almost like we're stuck in like 2016 when, you know, YouTube was starting to really, really become a thing. And anybody who is on YouTube, we just got content. But yeah, right. that, is a, that is a good point. Right. <laughs> and I was like, content, content nowadays is anything from like, you know, a video you put out on Twitter to like, you know, a, a marvel movie right like it's all yeah. <laughs> like, they're not the same but we all kind of throw it under content right now yep <clears throat> all right well how about a fantasy football question how many leagues were you in in 2020 and what is your favorite type of a league um i think this past year i think it was 12 um and it's funny because like I say that to some people, people are like, wow. And like I just feel like I'm kind of a slacker because I talk to other people in the industry and they're like, 20, you know, 50. Like, I'm like, what? Like 12. I do 12. I do 12. And every year I keep telling myself, like, I need to cut down. Like, I gotta cut down. Right. And like somehow I will get out of one or two leagues and then I'll get invited to like two more. And it just always seems, it always seems to stay right about that number, uh, no matter how hard I try to, to cut it down. Um, you know, I will say that I'm, I'm fairly traditional, uh, when I talk about kind of the leagues I play in, um, you know, I, I understand we live in a PPR world. I, I think full point PPR is from the devil. I just, I do. I think, I think, you know, ideally, ideally my, my preferred format would be like quarter point PPR. Uh, I can, I can sort of get down with half point. I can understand that. I just... I can't, I can't rationalize playing where just the act of catching the football is somehow equivalent to running 10 yards. Like it's just, it just doesn't count the same. It doesn't feel the same for me, especially when, you know, so many offenses are geared towards short passing games and, and high efficiency passing games. It's like, you know, just dumping one off to the running back and him getting a full point for that seems like cheating. Um, 
But I'm still like I'm still down with you know having two running backs and and having you know a tight end spot and you know having your flex spot. I'm okay with kickers. I know people. I know like I'm sure people will be like you know there might be people punching the air right now hearing me say that. But like I'm okay with it because because I think here's the I think every time every time we talk about as a as a, a group as a community we talk about either getting rid of a position or shrinking the number of, of players at a position we draft. Um, the argument always tends to be something like it sucks to predict them and we can't project them accurately. So like there's, it's, there's too much variance. There's, there's too much randomness and I'm like, they, they should get rid of it. And I'm like, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think, I think, I think that randomness sort of levels the playing field a little bit. Right. I mean, having that, having that sort of allows people who maybe aren't, uh, it's it's like in video games, right? When when you play, if you play, I'm I'm old here, right? So if you play like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, right? And and you have all the moves down, and you know every technique, right? You know every move. Um, playing against somebody else who knows all the moves isn't quite as scary because you sort of know what they're gonna do. The person that should terrify you is the button masher who just comes in and mashes buttons and they start shooting off fireballs and they don't know how they did it, but it, it caught you in the face. Um, right. And so I think that's sort of the idea of, of having that variance in fantasy of having that kicker uh, that, Hey, you know what, randomly, some kicker is going to go off for 21 points and it might wreck your world that week. Right. And I just think, I think, I think that adds fun to it. I think if we can, if we can fairly accurately, project and predict everything it's sort of like watching a movie where you know the ending and like maybe you like the movie and maybe that's cool but you sort of like movies more when you don't really know what's going to happen at the end and i look I, I know it's frustrating nobody wants to lose to a kicker who scored 21 points but at the end you know a year from now it's always kind of a fun story to tell like yeah man i got i got crushed because justin tucker kicked like eight field goals against me like it, you know <laughs> and so like, like i said i know i'm weird i know i'm in the minority in that respect but i mean it really is kind of how i feel about it i don't think you're in the minority because i get into battles on facebook all the time about people who don't want kickers people who do want kickers i'm of the mindset that i want to get rid of kickers and a lot of it was after they changed the goalpost. He made it skinnier, moved back 15 yards. That just started creating a lot of negative points. What's wild to me is that, and I don't understand, I don't, I don't have any, I don't know any professional kickers. Maybe if I meet one, I'll ask. Like, why is it that kicking a 33-yard field goal, like guys can drill those all the time, but like extra points seem to be like treacherous now. Like guys miss extra points all the time. Uh, but field goals from that same distance, it seems like most guys are cool. I don't, I don't have an answer. I don't understand that at all. I really don't understand that either. It, it seems like, <laughs> yeah, the 30 yards is such a chip shot, but yeah, when it's an extra point for whatever reason, it's uh, just, uh, it's all in their mind or something. Yeah, it's gotta be. <clears throat> oh, shout out to Antonio. Thanks for the super chat, dude. Uh, this is a great, awesome interview. Appreciate it. <laughs> now you brought up video games. So now I got to put you on the spot. One console, three games. And if it's a console um, where you needed people to actually play with you, you know, to be a multiplayer, we'll just assume that there's four players. <laughs> okay. Um, so again, I'm 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 old, and I I let me preface this by saying I, I used to be a gamer, and then I had a job where I was broke, and so like video games sort of got cut out of the budget. <laughs> so I haven't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna go back to the the PS2. Um, Nice. And and I'm gonna go, uh, Tiger Woods, um, FIFA, and and Madden. I think I was I was heavy sports gamers. So those are my those are my three for the PS2. I like it. I like yeah. it. All classic sports games that if they were just in there, even Tiger Woods. As much as like people hated on golf, everybody would play Tiger Woods and love it. <laughs> Man, I will say so. Like, when I was you know when I was when I was doing baseball, when I was doing minor league ball. Um, Pretty much everybody on the team, or at least you know half the team, would take either their their Playstations or their Xboxes on the road. You just you know, we, I had a little carry, I had the carrying case and stuff for mine. I would take it on the road. As soon as we get to the hotel, we would figure out how to plug it into the TV. And so like it would be like me, uh, the trainer, and the strength coach. We'd all hang out in like one of our rooms. Uh, you know, usually we'd go buy some beers and we'd sit and we'd play Tiger Woods. And it was like we would play we play Tiger Woods during the day. So like we get up in the morning, maybe go work out, get some lunch, go to somebody's room, start playing Tiger Woods, 
and then we'd have to leave for the game, but we would just like leave the game sitting there. We turn off the TV yeah. and we leave the game. So it's like, hey, you yeah. know, some, somebody might be on the fifth tee or whatever it was. Like, all right, we're just gonna leave it back there, and then we'll come back and we'll finish after the game. And so, like, um, I just remember like literally we get to a hotel and everybody would sort of pair up and go off to like, like I'm playing the, I'm in the Xbox room and I'm in the PlayStation <laughs> two room or whatever, because like literally that's, that's all we did during the day on road trips. And we, you know, you're in Bakersfield and there's not much to do and you don't have a car. Like you got to figure out some way to entertain yourself. <laughs> yep. And video games, that's always going to get us through some hours. That's for sure. <laughs> Love it. All right. Let's get to some hard hitting questions now. NFL free agency as of, Right now, out of all these moves, <laughs> that happen, what team do you think is winning uh, the free agency battle as of now? Ooh, um, so I don't know if some of these signings are final, but uh, the Dolphins are out here trying to make some moves right now. Um, you know, looks looks like they're they're going to bring in Will Fuller. Um, yeah, it, it looked like at least at last check they were close on a deal with Chris Carson. Um, you know, they added Malcolm Brown as some depth at running back. I sort of like what the Dolphins are doing, considering they already have a very good defense. Um, you know, I like they, they've got some, some good young wide receivers. They've got a good tight end in Mike Gesicki. Uh, the question is, you know, whether or not Tua uh, Tungavailoa gets better from what we saw last year. But for a team that is on the rise and, and just barely missed the playoffs uh, this past year, I, I do like what the Dolphins are putting together down there. I like it. Yeah, the Patriots, it seemed like they went in real early on a lot of guys. I swear, like, Bill Belichick was doing, like, some Mark Cuban, like, Shark Tank, like, <laughs> move. Like, take this right now. Don't let it get to a Wednesday or it's an exploding offer. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, right, like, don't we just believe that Belichick saw Tom Brady win a Super Bowl in Tampa and is like, nah, dog. <laughs> like, we can't, we can't have this, dog. Um, They did a lot. Um, It just... I don't I think I think the moves they made are probably better for real football than for fantasy football, right? Like uh -huh. um they signed Johnu Smith. It was like, "Oh, all right. That's cool. I dig that. Like I'm all on board." And then a few hours later they signed Hunter Henry and we're like, "Wait, wait, wait. No. No. <laughs> like what are you doing? Like those two guys are sort of going to cannibalize each other." I mean, Nelson Aguilar, right, had a had a really nice year for the Raiders last year, and and I will always I will always stand for USC guys like Aguilar. Um, and maybe he does some big things in New England, but he's not a guy that necessarily moves the needle in a huge way in fantasy. Right. I mean, you know, you're still waiting for the mid rounds to to draft Nelson Aguilar. Uh, same with Kendrick Bourne. I mean, this is a guy who when everybody was healthy in San Francisco, he was way down the depth chart. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you had, you had Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, you know, I mean, George Kittle obviously is going to dominate targets. Uh, Kendrick Bourne was kind of well down the list. So, um, you know, I don't know that he's going to be a big impact player in, in new England. So it just felt like, you know, it was, it was, um, a lot of sound and fury, but I don't know that there's necessarily a whole lot there that gets me crazy excited fantasy-wise yeah. about what the Patriots did. Yeah, and it does seem like Bill Belichick, like getting four offensive, like free agents, like that does seem like it was, you know, a response to Tom Brady, maybe even a little bit of a slap in the face. <laughs> I think Tom's fine. You know, Tom is no, he's not worried about it. Tom's out here partying <laughs> on boats and throwing trophies around. Like Tom ain't worried about what's going on up there anymore. Yeah. Either way, I mean, I, I love Johnu and I love Hunter Henry, you know, but still a lot of B-listers, you know, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I feel like Johnu and Hunter Henry both separately would have been top ten tight ends this year. Um, For sure, together, maybe one gets into the top ten, but I I am hard pressed to think both of them do. And I think I think the more likely scenario is that both of them end up uh, just kind of fringe top ten at best. I thought that Johnny was going to be like a 90 target guy after getting 65 and 20 and for an hour or two until they got Henry. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love Johnny last year. I, I said my, my hot take at before the season last year was that John new Smith was going to win people some leagues, at least for the first half of the season, it looked right. Like the first, you know, six or eight weeks, like he was lighting it up. He was on fire. He got hurt. And then back half of the season, Anthony Ferkser, uh, I, just, I just like saying Ferkser. Um, he just, uh, you know, he started getting more targets and sort of wrecked our world. Uh, but I still like Johnny's talent. I still like Hunter Henry's talent too. 
Um, but like I said, I just I don't think there's enough in that offense for both of them to really prosper this year. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, they could both flirt with 10 touchdowns, but I don't see them getting a lot of receptions or a yeah. lot of yardage. Yeah, and even, man, even if they both got 10 touchdowns, that would I would take that all day. I just, I'm not even sure that's going to happen. Be tough, that's for sure. Now this one, Kenyon Drake going to the Raiders, two years, 11 mil. This one surprised the hell out of me. Um, what do you think this means for the Raiders and Josh Jacobs? Uh, no, sir, I don't like it. Um, I like, so this, this, this happened literally just as we were finishing recording our podcast today. Um, you know, and I joked that like all the things were going to happen after we were done and I were just about to sign off. I'm like, okay, that seems like it's it, you know, appreciate you listening, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Hey, look, the Raiders just signed Kenyon Drake for two years. I hate it. I mean, I hate it for both of them. I mean, I think, I think for the Raiders, you know, it's nice. You have some depth. You have another guy who can be productive. But um, the one thing we've been waiting on for Josh Jacobs is more targets. We want the Raiders to throw the football to him more. And we thought at the start of last year, maybe that was going to happen. I think he had uh, six targets in, in week one last year, which I know doesn't necessarily blow you away, but that was a career high for him. So it looked like, OK, well, maybe they're going to turn things around. He didn't come near that number in targets for the rest of the season. Um, and just sort of doing a, a little bit of a deep dive on it, John Gruden running backs generally don't get the ball thrown to them a lot. The one real exception was Michael Pittman Sr. Uh, back in the days in Tampa. But beyond that, there, there just really hasn't been anybody who catches a lot of passes uh, from the running back spot in the John Gruden offense. Now, if there's going to be a guy who does it, it's going to be Kenyon Drake over Josh Jacobs. Um I just don't know that there's enough for both of these guys to really be successful. I thought Jacobs was sort of a, I think in a lot of situations, people were maybe taking him, trying to trying to force feed him at the end of the first round. But I think more likely he was going to be a second round pick in a lot of drafts. I think that's over. I think right now you're talking about Josh Jacobs in the third or fourth round. I don't think he's a, a running back one anymore. I think he's kind of a running back two. And I think that makes Kenyon Drake a, a running back three or four, depending on how this offense goes. I mean, it's, it's a the offense is fine. There's nothing really spectacular about the Raiders offense that you know that isn't named Darren Waller. Um it's fine. And so like I think these two guys together, um, while it gives the actual Raider offense a lot of options and things to do, I think for fantasy, like I it, it basically makes both of those guys pretty meh uh for the year. Do you think there's a possibility that Josh Jacobs could get moved? I doubt it. I mean, they like this guy. Yeah, look, I, I think he's a good player. Um, I do think he's a good player and I don't see, and I don't think they would move him for Kenyon Drake either. I think, I think, you know, Drake is sort of, uh, again, he's kind of a nice platoon option. He's, he's a guy in a rotation. I think, I think what we saw part of last year, especially early last year is that he's just not built maybe to carry the full workload in an offense. I thought he got better later in the season when Arizona started to work chase Edmonds in a little bit more. So I think he's sort of a, a nice complimentary piece. Um, but I, I really thought they had bigger plans than that for Josh Jacobs. Now these two guys are in a rotation, and, and I just there just isn't enough about the Raider offense to excite me to make me think that both of these guys are really going to pop this year. Yep, we hate the one A one B situations. That is I mean, look, unless it's Cleveland, right? Like Cleveland's figured it out with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, um, but that's rare. I mean, like like that is that is one of the the few exceptions. Most like most times, it ends up just kind of being a, a really uninspiring it's it's oatmeal i always like to say that about things it's oatmeal right like oatmeal is fine like you know like i don't hate on oatmeal um but you got to really dress it up to like kind of make it special like when you when you go out to eat for breakfast you're not like mm, let me get some oatmeal like you just don't do that right but it's fine it'll fill your tummy it's it's healthy enough like but it's just not something that you're going to get excited about yep just to get her done yeah so how about Fitzpatrick going to the Washington football team? I know that he hasn't been inked in as the starter or anything. I like the move. Um, do you think they're going to draft somebody, or do you think Fitz might be the starter week one? I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starter week one. If if he can't beat out Taylor Heineke, then, you know, maybe it's time to hang him up. Um, <laughs> I, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick as a fantasy quarterback in the sense that like, I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick on my team. Like I'm not going to start him because I don't, I don't, 
I like roller coasters at amusement parks. I don't like them on my fantasy <laughs> roster. Um, and I don't want to ride that roller coaster weekend because you know, here's the thing you will get those games where he goes out and he balls and he'll throw four touchdowns and you'll get like 35 points, 40 points out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But then, you know, the very next week, he very well might throw four picks and you get like 12 <laughs> points out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I just don't want to live like that. But what I do like about him is he throws, he throws yellow balls, right? Like he just yeah. doesn't care. Right. I mean, he is, he is the king of D gaff. He's going to stand back there and just sling the rock. And that's great news for Terry McLaurin. That's great news for Curtis Samuel. That's pretty good news. I think for Logan Thomas pursue, you know, provided, I imagine he's going to be back as the starting tight end. Um, so I like the move in that respect because I think it helps all those guys. Uh, but if you're asking me if I'm drafting Ryan Fitzpatrick, nah, bro, I'm going to let somebody else kind of handle that headache for me. Yep. All right. So this just broke. Um, thanks, Antonio, for shouting it out. But I saw it on Adam Schefter. Broke it. Uh, Brashad Perriman signing with the Lions one year, three mil. Another B-lister, another blah move. Um, like I was like, okay. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay. Um, I I don't really know what to make of Brashad Perriman, right? I mean, let's not forget, he was a first-round pick for the Ravens once upon a time. Um, never really could make it work there was really, is really just mostly a deep threat. He had that one great run uh, a couple years ago at the end of the season in Tampa, partially because everybody was hurt, right? Chris Goddard yeah. was hurt. Mike Evans was hurt. And, and he, on top of it, he had Jameis Winston, who is, I talk about, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing YOLO balls. Jameis might be the king of the YOLO ball. For um, sure. He's just going to stand back there and heave it. And so that sort of worked. Jared Goff the last few years has been a check down guy. He is not a guy who's going to stretch the field. Um, I mean, that's why I was sort of glad to see Marvin Jones go somewhere else. It's why, you know, I'm sort of glad to see Kenny Galladay go somewhere else. Cause I just don't think, I just don't think they're going to fit. I mean, I think it, what sort of worked for the Rams is that Robert Woods and Cooper cup are great after the catch. So you can throw them the ball like in the slot or throw it underneath. Uh, and those guys will do a lot of work for you. I just don't that that's hard to find and that's hard to count on. That's a hard way to live. Sean yeah. they can scheme those sort of things open. I, I don't know that that's going to happen in Detroit. So um, that's really a long way of saying that I probably won't be drafting Brashad Perriman anywhere. Or really anybody on Detroit. I'm probably avoiding them altogether. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Curtis Samuel move going to the Washington football team? Uh, I like it. I do. I like it. I think, I think, you know, things open up and he gets more opportunities to get targets. Um, you know, he was always going to be battling with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson in Carolina, um, you know, in Washington, they've got Terry McLaurin as their number one wide receiver and really not much after that. They're trying to find a, a complimentary piece. So um, I do sort of like that. I, I think he's going to get more chances there. Again, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing certainly gets you excited about what can be, um, that they're going to be there needs to be a fun offense to watch uh, with yeah. Fitzpatrick slinging it and and I'm I hope I hope Washington uses Samuel um, the way Carolina started to last year where they used him as a receiver but they also used him as a nice complement to their running game um, you know he he gets reunited with his old coach and Ron Rivera they were together with the Panthers so they get back together in Washington so uh, I'm optimistic I I like this move I think he takes anyway and. Just like you said, getting in the run game. I mean, they used him in the red zone in the run game. You think it takes any way away anything from Gibson? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, but not not anything significant. Um, I think I think they realize what they've got in Antonio Gibson, and it's funny because uh, you know I went into the year saying, look, Gibson is a guy who can be sort of both, right? He can be that Swiss Army knife, but I mean, real talk. He didn't do much as a running back in college. He just didn't play there. But he played there occasionally. But he was mostly a wide receiver. So, so last year was really his first season um, as a full-time running back. And he was great. Uh, so I think if you're Washington, you would be foolish to, to mess with that too much. But I do think having Samuel as the occasional change of pace, uh, just something for the defense to kind of keep an eye on, I think that is nice. But I don't, I don't think he's going to really eat much uh, into to Gibson's touches. Yeah, my uh, I'm in a dynasty league with Derek, who drafted. But um, we're in a dynasty league now. He drafted Gibson and Samuel, not knowing that they're both going to be on the same <laughs> team. And now he's stressing about that. <laughs> I think it's going to be. No, I think you're going to be all right. I think. I think the only the only concern I would have for Curtis Samuel is 
what happens beyond this year? Because he signs a three-year deal with Washington. Fitzpatrick is only on a one-year deal, which means at the end of this year, they're likely back in the market for a quarterback. Um, you know, we'll see like who maybe is coming out of college, or maybe if they decide to draft the guy this year uh, and sort of groom him. You know, we don't know just yet. So I would have a little bit of worry about Curtis Samuel in that respect. I do think he's somewhat quarterback dependent, um, but at least for this year, I, I think you're going to be fine. Marlon Mack re-signing with the Colts. I know no one's really came back from an Achilles injury, so maybe that's why it was just a one-year, two-mil deal. Do you think this affects Jonathan Taylor at all? I do. Um, and look, that's obviously saying that not knowing – how his rehab has gone and what he's going to look like when he gets back on the field. So I think this is interesting, right? Because so my, my buddy, my podcast partner, Michael F. Florio um, is an unabashed stand for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we've done mock drafts and he's taken Taylor third overall. Like that's how much he loves him. And I, I do, I really felt like that was going to be the asking price for Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah. Because I thought, I really thought the way last year ended, he was set up to be a true workhorse, right? Where he was going to get 20, 22 touches a game uh, each and every week. Then they go and they re-sign Marlon Mack. So suddenly that makes me wonder, does that, does that 22 touches, does that come down to, you know, 16, 17 touches? Which the way I, I sort of described it is when you look at Jonathan Taylor, do you think of him right now as a Dalvin Cook? Saquon Barkley type guy. And I don't mean necessarily skill wise, but I mean, in terms of like, this is a guy who's going to dominate the backfield and he's going to get all those touches. It doesn't have any competition. Do you look at him that way? Or do you look at him as say like an Aaron Jones, who you know is the lead back and is going to get a lot of work, but also is going to have to deal with somebody behind him. I mean, before it was Jamal Williams. Now it's probably going to be AJ Dillon. And I know I was more of the, you know, kind of the Dalvin Cook Saquon type, right? I know that's definitely where, where Florio was. I know that's where Adam Rank was. Um, but I, I've gotten the sense in the last 24 hours or so that a lot of people seem to lean more toward the Aaron Jones side. People, I, I just kept seeing that people saying, well, they signed Marlon Mack. It's not a big deal. That doesn't change how I feel about Jonathan Taylor. That's not going to move him down my draft board. And so I, I had to put it out there. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, if, if this is how you're feeling, I want to know where you thought you were going to be drafting Jonathan Taylor in the first place. And yeah. the overwhelming answer was late first round, probably in the second round. And that shocked me because I, I really thought you were going to have to spend a top five pick to get Jonathan Taylor. And I guess that's just not the case. So if, if that's what people are thinking, if people are thinking Jonathan Taylor is an early second round pick, then I guess Marlon Max signing doesn't really impact you in any way. But I really thought we we're talking about him as a true workhorse back, in which case uh, I do worry that, that you know, Marlon Max is going to take something. Let's not forget what happened last year with Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins and all those guys sort of rotating in and taking opportunities. Um, I, I, I have concerns. <laughs> I'll just say that. I have concerns right now. I'm surprised that that's the temperature check that you've been getting because I was more thinking like you, like you got to draft him in the top five, top six to be able to get him. Maybe not in the super flex league, I guess, if you have QBs going early, but I, I'm a little shocked that late first, early second is where people think that they were going to be able to get him before. Yeah, that. I didn't believe it. I really, I really thought if you, if you were at five or later, um, you probably weren't going to get Jonathan Taylor, but I, I guess I was wrong on that. <laughs> yeah all right how about let, let's get some guesses here these seem like the biggest running backs who are available Carson Connor and Fournette any guess on where you think um these three guys are going well like I said before before you and I started this um the the reports I was seeing was that Chris Carson could be going to Miami which I I, I kind of like um I like it just because the one thing about the Dolphins last year is that they were sort of a one-back team. No matter who the starting running back was, if it was a Miles Gaskin week, it was Miles Gaskin pretty much getting all the touches. When it was Savon Ahmed, it was pretty much him getting all the touches. So Chris Carson going to Miami, like I'm, I'm here for it. Um, you know, let let him run the rock and let him be the guy. I'm totally down there. Um, James Conner, I. I don't know where he goes because I think his days as kind of being a frontline running back are over. I think he's wherever he goes, he's just going to be a complimentary piece. Part of it is, you know, look, he just, he has not 
been reliable being on the field week in and week out. And so I think that has something to do with it. I think uh, also when we saw him last year at times, he just didn't particularly look all that great. Um, you know, I wouldn't be totally surprised if maybe he ends up in a place like Denver. Um, you know, the Broncos are, are letting Philip Lindsay walk, which is sort of wild to me. Uh, I think Weird. Lindsay's been really good. But I think Connor is a compliment to, say, Melvin Gordon, I think is a, a really nice option. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I just like there's nothing about James Conner that I've seen over the last couple of years that gets me super excited. So, again, like he's a guy that if he's on the board late um, and I need some running back depth, maybe I, I pick him up. But I just I have very little confidence in him right now. And and Leonard Fournette, um, I would say he should go back to Tampa. But I again, like I said, I'm, I'm a USC stand. So I, I want I want Ronald Jones to get all of the touches. Yeah. So maybe, maybe keep, maybe keep Lombardi Lenny out of Tampa. Like, look, you got your ring, you got your trophy, go test the waters, go get paid, go somewhere else. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe New England, right? Um, you know, I hear those rumors. Damian Harris is nice. I know they sort of like JJ Taylor up there too, but like, why not bring in Leonard Fournette? Have him, have him sort of be what LeGarrette Blunt was once upon a time. Yeah, uh, up there in New England. But you know, wherever, wherever he goes, he's another guy who's a platoon back. Um, who really is just going to be mostly adept at, I think, on fantasy rosters. Yeah, we shall see. I'm very curious because everybody with Tampa seems like they're willing to take pay cuts, keep the team together one more year, and got Tom on one side of the ball and Levante David on the other side of the ball kind of leading the charge with those pay cuts. Yeah, man, like, but everybody can't take pay cuts like Tom. Like, everybody has a supermodel wife who makes <laughs> billions of dollars like Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady can take pay cuts, man, because, like, you know, he, he doesn't make the most money in his own house. Right? So, like, so you can do that. Not everybody has that luxury. I know. People don't like it when I bring that kind of stuff up when you're talking about Tom Brady. It's like only nice things, you know, or don't say anything about hey, Tom I mean, Brady at all. I don't, think, I don't think that's an insult. It is what it is, right? I mean, look, it, it, it went a long way toward helping the Patriots be successful for 20 years, right? When, like, Brady didn't have to take the max, like, because, you know, whatever. Like, he would put his money in the pot along with Giselle. He didn't necessarily have to bring, he didn't have to be the, the breadwinner necessarily. So um, I don't think that's an insult. Like good for him, man. It, <laughs> we, we should all be so lucky. Hey man, take advantage of it. Do what you got to do. Got a question here from Devin Buy Lindsay before he signs somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, just understand that, that he's going to, Wherever he goes, he's not going to be a lead running back. Um, you know, he's going to be a platoon guy. But I think what we saw from him in Denver those couple of years, I mean, this is a guy who was had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons as an undrafted free agent. Um, dude can run effectively. He can catch the ball. He can do a lot of things. I was honestly sort of surprised when the Broncos brought in Melvin Gordon in the first place. Um, yeah. But I think wherever he goes, he's going to get opportunity. He's going to be productive. So, you know, um, don't like, like with anything, don't overpay. But, uh, yeah, I think he's a worthwhile pickup. All right, Stu, thanks for the super chat. So with Dak back and healthy and paid, what do you expect to see out of C.D. Lamb in the two-year – in the two-real game – um, in the real game and potential fantasy ranking? There we go. Um, Yeah, I, I love C.D. Lamb. Um, I I think I think the – you know, to, uh, <laughs> to quote Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof uh, <laughs> with, with C.D. Lamb. I So I said last year – uh, that I thought Justin Jefferson was going to be the best rookie wide receiver in fantasy. Um, but I thought that CD lamb has the highest ceiling overall. And, you know, last year sort of, sort of, you know, worked out that way, right? Jefferson had the great year. He was the top rookie receiver in fantasy. Uh, CD lamb, I thought had some nice games. Unfortunately for him, that getting hurt sort of threw everything off. But I think with Dak back, the fact that, you know, unless something drastic happens, the Cowboys defense is still going to be pretty bad. So the Cowboys are going to have to throw the football a lot. Um, I, I love CD lamb. I mean, I think, I think he is a legit wide receiver too this year um, with this, with the ceiling only going up, right? Because uh, probably in the next couple of years, Amari Cooper is not going to be there anymore. And then you start, you suddenly have CD lamb elevated from the Cowboys number two receiver to the number one receiver. Um, so yeah, I, if you are, uh, if you, if you got CD lamb in, in any dynasty leagues, uh, hold on to him. And if somebody comes calling, ask for the moon. Cause, uh, you know, like look, 
like it's like Wall Street bets, man. Get on the rocket ship. We're going to the moon. We're going to the moon with CD Lamb. I love him. All right. Last question from the audience. Who do you think gets drafted first out of Pitts or Chase? Um, I'm gonna say Kyle Pitts. Uh I you know, I think it's a toss-up. I think it's a coin flip, but I'm gonna say Kyle Pitts. Um, I think both these guys are going to be impact guys in their first year. And for Pitts, I think that's saying a lot just because traditionally tight ends don't necessarily make a huge impact in their rookie year. I think the last one to do it um, was Evan Ingram a few years ago, back in 2017. And honestly, he's sort of been chasing that high ever since. He's never come back to that. But Kyle Pitts, I think, has the, the ability to go in and be that impact player. And I also think that wherever he lands um, – I don't think that team is going to put a ton on him in terms of like, hey, we want you to be a big part of pass protection and and run blocking. It's like, you know what? Go out there and catch the football. That's what we brought you in here for. That's what we want you to do. Um, so I think I think he's the first one off the board, and I think I think he's going to be one of those rare cases of uh, a rookie tight end that that you're going to want to have on your roster. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what happens with Pitts because he's just—he's not even a tight end. He's just like a freakishly large wide receiver. So you better <laughs> not worry about making him block. <laughs> Which is where it's sort of where the position is going, right? Like now, your tight ends are generally split into two groups. You've got your blocking tight ends, and you've got your pass catching tight ends. Um, and he is—he's going to be one of those matchup nightmares, right? Like, what do you do? Do you put a, a smaller corner on him? Good luck. You try to put a linebacker on him, like can they keep up? Like it, it's going to be tough. I mean, look, in some ways, it's sort of like what we see with like a you know a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle a little bit. But I think Pitts is probably even more athletic than those guys. Yeah. All right, final guesses here, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. I appreciate you spending time with me. I can't can't say it enough. I appreciate your time. <laughs> so Galladay and Juju, where do we think that they're going to land? Um. Well, I know that the, at least the talk right now is that for Galladay, it has been narrowed down between the Bears and the Giants. Uh, if those are the two options we're talking about, uh, then I would definitely say the Giants, just because um, if we're talking quarterbacks, Daniel Jones is a better option for me than Andy Dalton is right now. Um, so I, I would guess the Giants. I mean, the way the place I really wanted him to go was Indianapolis. Um I just wanted him to get to like, I think with Carson Wentz, one of the things about Wentz was that he loved to play hero ball. It kind of got him in trouble sometimes, but he wants to throw to guys in tight windows and have guys go get, go, go up, go up and get it. And that's what uh, Galladay did really well with Matt Stafford for, for the Lions for those couple of years. But uh, if it really is between the bears and the giants, uh, go big blue. Uh, as for Juju, um, I had kind of wanted him to go down to Jacksonville, but I don't know if that's really going to, if that's really still in the cards now uh, at this point. Um, you know, I, I would like to see him maybe go to the Jets. So I'll say this. My original idea, my original thought during the year last year had been I wanted the Bears to re sign Allen Robinson, get Juju as a free agent, trade for Sam Darnold. And see if they could sort of make it work. Because I, I mostly I wanted Sam Donald to get away from from Adam Gase again, yeah. USC Homer. Not gonna lie, uh, <laughs> wanted him to get away from Adam Gase and see see if he could sink or swim right away from that. Like if 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 you know, now that he's away from Gase, if he gets a fair shot and it doesn't work out, well then that's just on Sam and it just it just didn't happen. Um, but why not? Why not reunite Sam and Juju from their year together at SC? Put him with Allen Robinson. Get them to Chicago. Let them see what they could do. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen, obviously, with the Bears signing Dalton. But, um, yeah, why not? Why not at least get the SC guys back together? Get Juju and Sam together out, out, on, out in New York, see what can happen. Um, if that's not going to happen, uh, hey, why not Kansas City? Because who doesn't, want, who doesn't want to catch passes from Patrick Mahomes, right? <laughs> why not send him to Kansas City uh, and just see what can happen there? Because I think they, they could use a third wide receiver. I mean, Kelsey's great. Tyreek Hill is great. Um, beyond that, there is no other receiver in that Kansas City offense that you really have any you know, Sammy Watkins, no Demarcus Robinson, no Nicole Hardman, no like you know, let's get him another receiver and see what could happen there. That would be pretty sweet. Mahomes with some extra weapons. It's never a bad thing. I mean, it's sweet as long as you're not a defensive coordinator in the AFC West. <laughs> and it's not sweet at all. Yeah, we know nobody envies our job. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We've been going for almost about an hour here, so I appreciate you. Um, anybody who follows me and doesn't know where to find you, I don't even know like how that's possible. <laughs> but uh, do you have anything that you want to plug? Anything going on? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you can find me on Twitter at Marcus G M A R C A S G. Um, the, the podcast is still, we're still doing it once a week. So wherever you download podcasts, you can find the NFL fantasy football show and, uh, coming next week on NFL network, we will have the NFL fantasy live free agency frenzy. I believe that is going to air on Thursday of next week. So a week from today. Um, but like I tell everybody, check your local listings, set your DVR. Uh, and then one of these days it will magically appear there when you least expect it. So uh, I think that's the big thing. Other than that, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm usually found on Twitter. You can come and, uh, and hit me up and, and find my bad takes and roast me for those, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. All righty, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for throwing some comments in here. Got another live stream coming up in a couple hours. We're going to be doing our IDP rookie breakdown, uh, IDP linebacker rookie breakdown. Is going to be good stuff. And Derek saying good show. Joe, no, appreciate it. Mike D, thank you so much, Marcus. Thanks, everybody, for coming through. And appreciate you, Marcus, for coming through. You are the man. Appreciate the invite. Yeah. See you guys later. See you guys in a few hours. Peace out. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. My shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, when it's time, I'm on the grind. Yeah, I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the chibi of the lamp. This is the gift I was given, so I just live out my Here comes the money.